Hello, and you are back in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. This is our 20th episode, and today we will be discussing how we shouldn't flip the bill for more Forever Wars, or take sides, and the need for work. So we're going to get right into this with more Forever War funding is on the way. If the Biden administration gets their way, they want 105 billion dollars in emergency funding they made that request to congress and you might think uh, i would be against such a thing but i'm actually all for where do i sign the check oh wait uh you already took it from my bank account thank you very much right okay that's a bit facetious but the, the whole thing is is that there is a war machine that exists and it wants to be oiled up as much as possible. And the forever war funding, the forever war is in the Middle East and Ukraine now uh, is the mechanism as to keep the war machine uh, going. Lockheed Martin, um, all, all the other companies, but Lockheed Martin is the um, biggest one. But Boeing, all, all these companies that get uh, military contracts. Uh, they get a lot of money by manufacturing weaponry, whether that be like missiles or um, guns, uh, missiles, guns, ballistics, airplanes, tanks, um, cars. The military is a gigantic contractor um, for a lot of private corporations. Uh, like Lockheed Martin is the only one that I can think of right now, but there are um, a bunch of weapons manufacturers and they make bank and they make bank off of the government um bloated military budget and the military budget is only justified in being as bloated as it is if we can um hold on to this need to be the world police of all the world bases and the forever war funding and bombing any country that disagrees with us and that's why um the biden administration puts in this 105 um, aid requests, and a lot of that money is going to get funneled into Israel and Ukraine uh, to just send them uh, more weapons. And who do you think makes those weapons? Um, large private man, large corporations like Lockheed Martin. I keep harping on Lockheed Martin because it's the the only one that I can remember in my mind. Um, but the, these companies, they are basically. Uh, their bread and butter is military contracts, and when money uh, talks, it's a very, I would say, nefarious thing where you're banking on um, war, death, pain, and suffering. No matter you know how bad it is for the human condition, that is um, what you're relying on for profitability in, in an economic sense. And when 9-11 happened, when these wars happened, you had people... Um, raving and cheering because it means more work for them, more money for them. That That's the uh, way it works for a lot of people. People are very depraved. And also, in, if you're in America, you're also very de detached from um, the Middle East because, you know, it's thousands, miles away. it's thousands of miles away. And it's a bunch of brown people you don't care about. So who cares if um, they all get bombed and shit and their homes go um, completely destroyed, and it's all rubble and ash. You get to ca you get to go to the bank and cash um, check after check and make so much bank um, off of uh, off of these wars, off of these military contracts, and that is a big reason why these forever wars keep on happening. Is because there are very powerful people who 
profit so much from it. War is very good for the economy. It's what pulled World War II is what pulled the U.S. economy out of the Great Depression, right? So that that's um, uh, inherent proof as to how good um, war is for the economy and going into that time of history as well. Nazi Germany militari- militarized and that pushed them out of the World War post World War One slump that they had with all the reparations that they had to repay um, for losing the war and being quote unquote responsible for. It. But that, that's a bit of a tangent. The whole point I'm making is that war is very good for the economy, and the people who benefit the most from war are in the upper echelons, whether they're the owners of private military companies, these large weapon manufacturers, the um, generals, admirals, the higher up um, the higher up in the military chain of command. They are all the people who benefit from these wars keep on going on, from there being a war machine, from having um, all these, these dozens of bases across the world and the need to keep them going. And of course, with war, it leads to tribalism, right? What we're seeing with um, the Israel-Hamas war, right? You're either a Zionist pig or a terrorist sympathizer, and you can only be that. You can't say, well, I don't trust the IDF or Hamas. I don't want to, um, you know, say Israel has a right to defend itself or, or to free Palestine because whether or not... Um, that geographical area becomes the domain of Israel or Gaza is not up to me and it's not my problem it's not my concern I don't want to fund it I don't want to go and fight and die there I don't want any involvement in there because the involvement of me or my country me being an American my country being the United States will only make things worse will only divide us further will only embroil this global conflict that we're heading into even more, right? Where, I mean, so much World War Free talk, and this has been going on since the war in Ukraine started, and it's getting worse with uh, this Israel-Hamas war, another very geographically valuable area in terms of how close it is to the Suez Canal and port, I believe Said is how you, how you say it, um, and, and Egypt as well. You know, that, that Egypt controls the Suez Canal and Israel is very close and they've got access to the Mediterranean Sea and that, um, you know, that port there. It's so you can do a lot of trade through there and the U.S. stages all their operations in the Middle East in Israel as well. So we have a vested um, strategic interest in Israel. So, of course, we're going to send them money. Of course, we want to be boots on the ground. Um, with Israel in any capacity that that we can, if we've got the war hawks in charge, and by God that we do. So that as my my plea is that don't take sides if you aren't um, involved in this conf- conflict in the sense of if unless you're in Gaza in Israel uh, and, and you are one of those um, countrymen or country people whatever, uh, you should not be taking sides. And even if you are. Um, to take sides to be tribal while it is, yes, it's human nature and we've evolved to um, from tribes to be in tribes. That's not um, conducive in the modern um, society. Really, what, what we need is uh, the ability to uh, trade and exchange freely and to realize that we are all going to be very different and just to leave each other alone. And that's a hard thing to do with you know, the... Israel-Palestine conflict because of how divided that region is and how tense um, 
conflicts are and the amount of, well, I guess, you know, war, there aren't any war crimes in war, but the atrocities that the IDF and Hamas and Hezbollah are committing against each other just fuels the fire of saying, well, we need to take it to Hamas because of what they did to us. We need to take it to Israel because the IDF is um, pouring concrete over our water supplies, raping our women, whatever. You know, it's any, you know, anything that you do to try and get one over on your enemy is only going to stab you in the back because they'll use that to justify them doing the exact same thing. So really you need to realize that taking sides, um, trying to win vindictively isn't going to do anything. But of course, that's a very obvious thing. So of course, you know, I'm a, I'm a hippie pacifist trying to have everyone, trying to get everyone to get along with each other when that's not going to happen. So uh, I'll, I'll leave that there. But next we're going to transition into the final topic of this podcast, and it is the need for work. The human condition necessitates uh, work, and that's been consistent throughout our entire history. You know, when we were hunter-gatherers, we had to spend all time, uh, all of our time, hunting and gathering food, and desperately um, making caves somewhat livable, right? And then we clawed our way into. Um, the first basic civilizations and we started farming and that became the modern Goliath of civilization where you can work a nine to five job for eight hours and have a um, place to live and food and all those sorts of things and it is a quite an amazing thing but there are definitely are a lot of drawbacks and it certainly is a soulless grind to be a wagey in corporate America and a lot of people realize that they see that they feel that and they do not want to work at all, right? They say, well, if, you know, this is either this or nothing at all, or if this is working, then I don't want to do anything. I just want to, um, I don't know, I don't know. Well, it's, it's one of the reasons why fire is pop- popular, because if you can retire early, oh, I can get to the point where I don't have to work at all, but that, you know, necessitates building a lot of wealth. Right, and then if you want to build wealth, then you have to work. Right, so there was this one woman on TikTok who was saying, "Well, if I have a nine to five, how can I do life?" Well, you you can do life if you're working forty hours a week. Right, you have more time than you think, um, especially if you're only working forty hours a week. There's 168 hours in a week. You kind of spend about 56 of those hours sleeping. I believe that's eight times yeah eight times uh seven 56 uh, I, I don't know but essentially if you do the exercise where you take the things that you need to do that sleep work um exercise and spend time maintaining your relationships you are going to have um a good you know anywhere from 40 to 60 hours left over the week and you can use that time to do basically whatever you want and if you schedule your time out effectively you can get a lot done now of course for people who work two jobs and especially with the cost of living and all, all the cost of living and these sorts of things rising where you're working like 60 80 100 hours a week even and then of course it's more justified where i don't have time to do these sorts of things but if you're only job is in the nine to five you're working 40 hours a week then the problem you're facing isn't necessarily the 
um, lack of time. It's the lack of energy and the lack of focus. And of course, you know, that's a hard thing to get out of, but you know, you need a change in mindset. You need to change your mindset from thinking, well, it's not work that's bad. It's the work that I'm doing that's bad. And then you can either improve your work situation um, or and and or I would say both improve your mindset around uh, working, right? But if you want to build wealth, if you want to have a good life for yourself, it's going to require amazing effort because you aren't going to get amazing results out of your lifetime if you don't put in that amazing effort to make your life amazing. So if you want it all, you have to do a lot. There's no way fundamentally around that. So if you're a mediocre, subpar person, that's all your life is going to be. If that's what you're putting in, if you're um, saying, well, I have to work eight hours a day, I can't do anything else, or I can't live my life if I'm working a job, then you're not going to have a life because the fundamental thing you're starting with is that poor mindset. Now, of course, you know, this mindset's forced upon you um, in the popular culture. There's a lot of things that are holding you back um, financially, personally, uh, that you will be most likely dealing with if you are a younger person like you know the reason why i'm talking about this there was this i'm not sure if i say this is one woman on tiktok i think i did who was you know in this video went viral which is why i'm talking about it i'm saying i can't do my life if i'm working nine to five fundamentally the first thing wrong is that mindset of life um, not being able to happen your life is happening regardless Right, you are life. You're living your life. It's happening regardless. Every day you're living your life, and you have to realize that and make the resolution to live the best life possible, regardless of the external circumstances forced around you. You have to work and compensate for what you're given, not um, sit and complain and moan and say, "Well, inflation's too high," or "I got into all this debt when I was younger and it's going to be impossible to get out of it." You're, you're setting yourself up for failure inherently when you do the, those sorts of things. Um, so that that is not the mindset you want to be in. You the mindset you want to be in is, "I want." amazing results so i'm going to put in that amazing effort and that is work so you're going to have to work hard to get a lot but once you establish that ability to work hard once you get into that mindset of grinding it out it becomes easier now of course uh, i would say success is not a linear path it's very much a zigzaggy line you're going to have days that are amazing you're going to have days that are awful and you're going to have days that are average right that is the inherent, um, I, I guess, beauty of the human condition is that it's a very messy um, experience. And a lot of, you know, a lot of that, you know, makes it an awful thing to go through, but also it makes it uh, fun because, you know, there is a lot of grind, there is a lot of monotony, but also you never know what you're going to um, expect in the day to day. It is, in a way, constantly changing and you have to compensate for that and you have to make the resolution of saying, if I want amazing results... I'm going to put in that amazing effort, and that is work. That's fundamentally it. So humans have always had to do um, work to live, right? And that's fundamentally um, true for humanity. Now, the work that most humans are doing these days is unnatural. It's a slog. It's not um, fun or productive or um, enriching to your life at all. And often the pay isn't worth um, worth it to... Um, 
not have those sorts of things. So I understand um, the why people feel the way that they do, especially the younger generation, the ones who saddle with all of this debt and the rising cost of living in terms of home ownership and rent and food that choose into your monthly budget so that your ability to build wealth is handicapped by that and also all of the debt that you've been saddled with because we're in a debt consumer culture. So I, I understand that. Um, but you have to realize you're in that situation and you have to say, well, I need to change it myself. And it's only going to happen if you do it yourself. No one's going to come and save you. That's a sad thing, but you, you have to make that realization. And you have to say, well, if I want to get out of the hole that I'm in, I'm going to have to get to work, right? And I, I think I will leave it there. This is a bit of a rambly, tangenty podcast as it usually is. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed this one and we'll go through the outro now. Thank you for being in the Velvet Room with Joker the Fool. Be sure to follow my Substack, velvetroompublishing.substack.com to read Machine to Man and all my other projects.